powerful verses about battling fear that we just saw on the screen or is what often carries us through those moments in life where we're struggling once again with the emotion of fear. A couple times a year, most of us begin to feel. Do you remember, do you know this feeling some, oftentimes in the winter where you're about to be sick and you're like, oh no, your, your nose or your, your chest or something, maybe a cough, a small cough is coming on, you're going, oh, and you usually say, not this week. It's the worst week. I'm not up for being sick. And so if you detect it early enough, you just pound yourself with vitamins and you go to bed earlier and drink more liquids and maybe take a few other uh, things uh, over the counter that can, can get you a leg ahead of this impending cold that's coming. Well, today, I want to talk about staying a step ahead of our fear, beating out fear in advance, because fear often begins with a small anxiety that, all, that sort of accosts us unaware. Maybe you have felt or even said some of these statements before, and fear was creeping in on you in advance. You look down at the calendar and say, oh no, that big bill is due in just two weeks. Maybe you say, oh man, that relative that I love but don't always like is coming into town and I'm going to be with him for a few weeks. Maybe you say, you look down at your calendar, realize where you have to be or where you're going to be, and you're like, I really struggle with temptation, anxiety, jealousy, or lust when I'm in this situation. How am I going to overcome that? Maybe after a doctor visit with a loved one, you begin saying, I'm just not sure how much time my family member has left, and I'm not sure what I would do without them. Budget cuts, I hear, are, are happening in our company, and I'm not sure if I'm going to be next on the chopping block. Understandable, reasonable, so to speak, fears begin coming around corner after corner, and, and they begin very small, but oftentimes instead of fighting them off and warding them off through God's truth, we cave into them and listen to the counsel of our fears. Well, today, we're going to look at the story of Joshua. Frankly, it's not so much the story, but a powerful speech, sermon, admonition the Lord gave to this up-and-coming leader for the nation of Israel in Joshua chapter 1. He had some very big shoes to fill. You see, for the last 38 years, he'd been the assistant to an amazing leader, Moses. We looked at the fearful, timid beginnings of Moses' leadership last week, but we kind of left out the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, where, by and large, he was an outstanding leader and a fine servant of the Lord. Now, he did have an episode in his life that so offended God Almighty, his lack of belief at God's ability to turn water from that rock, that God forbid him to be the one that led them into the promised land. So for a 38-year lap around Mount Sinai had come to an end. Moses had passed away. 
and now the mantle came on Joshua. Well, Joshua had already been on a recon visit into the promised land of we, that we now call Israel. He'd seen its beauty. He'd also seen the giants compared to the little nation of Israel that lived in the land. He knew what was before him. Vicious, challenging battles. He'd also gotten wind that the food supply was now going to be very different. Uh, the Lord had told them that, you know, the Lord had given manna at their doorstep, food to the Israelites for these last 38 years, and now that's coming to an end. God wanted them to learn to work and harvest the land, be responsible for their own food. Also, there was this whole thing about the gifting. The Israelites had a special, unique gifting that they'd cultivated, and that was called complaining. Have you ever been really good at complaining? <laughs> because you put in a lot of practice in it. That was those Israelites. They had fussed, fussed, fussed for 38 years. And now Joshua gets to lead this hungry, fussy, timid group of people into the land of promise. You can imagine, as the Lord looked into the heart of Joshua, that it was a heart that was tempted to be afraid. And so God gives him some some very practical and principled and powerful admonitions of how to beat fear in advance. I want to first of all read the first four verses of Joshua chapter 1 to get a sense of what's going on. And point number one on your outline, we see that these verses correspond to is this principle is to see God's design in huge challenges. Verse 1 says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, my servant Moses is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land. I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites, and I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. Yeah, there was this other barrier. In order to get from where they had been lapping around into this land of promise, there was one major thing standing in the way, and that was a massive river known as the Jordan. This is the people that passed through the Red Sea on dry ground, and many people that had experienced that, they'd gone on, they'd passed away. Could they do it? Could the Lord do it again? That was the barrier that Joshua was faced with. And one of the things that we note in this passage is that God is spelling out the challenges. The, the first challenge, right, right off the bat, is that Moses is dead. Verse 2. And, and you know what it's like for maybe there to be an iconic leader in your midst. And all of a sudden, that leader is gone. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a leader of an organization. Maybe it's a leader of a, a group that you were a part of. And that person is no longer there. And there's a trembling about the group. What is going to happen? And the Lord says, hey, Moses is dead. But my plans are still very much alive. You're going to go through the Jordan River. I'm going to take you through that. In other words, God is saying, I'm designing this humongous challenge for you. Interesting to note, 
is that when we have huge challenges in front of us, we need to step back and say, well, how did these challenges get here? God's owning up and taking responsibility in advance and saying, you know what? I am behind all of this. I am in control in ways that will blow your mind that we're never able even to fathom God's great sovereignty over them. And he's saying, if you see these challenges from my point of view, from my perspective, then you'll know that the one who designed them, the one who ordained them, is the one that will see you through them. The things that we fear, we don't have to look at, is these humongous cosmic accidents and mistakes that we have got to now pick up the pieces of. The Lord who designed them is with us. Now we note in verses 3 and 4, he's told them that he's going to give them the land. One important thing to note here is that God said, this is already yours, you just have to possess it. There's a, a reason that keeps us from seeing God's design often in our challenges, and that is that we don't possess that which God says is ours in Christ. History proves that the Israelites only ever claimed about 10% of this vast land that God gave them. And there's some 90% that they never fully claimed. You know, we're told in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, that we've, been, that we've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ and that we often very seldomly claim all that God has given us. Now, in verse 5, we see a packed promise from the Lord and the essence of it seems to be that Joshua needs to trust in God rather than in himself. And so that's principle number two on your outline. Beating fear in advance involves that we trust God. Listen to verse five. It says, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you and I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, th th there's three different powerful reasons that th they, he should trust God. And first of all, A, under number two, is that we can trust God to do what he said. God told Joshua something amazing. In, in the first part of verse five, no one's ever going to stand up against you. Could you imagine that kind of promise? Every battle you face, I'm going to give you victory in. Now, that is not, nothing that we can claim in, in our own spiritual life in the exact same way. We can claim that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can claim that the presence of God will be with us in all situations. We can claim that if we're faithful to God, he will strengthen us to say no to temptation. There's many promises that we can claim, and we simply lay hold of them by believing that God will hold up his end of the bargain. He's going to do what he said he would do, and that's what Joshua needed to believe at this critical juncture. Something, another admonition to trust God in verse 5 is B under number 2, and that's this, to trust God based on his past record. Can you imagine how Joshua felt when he said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Joshua, as the assistant or aide to Moses, got to see amazing miracles the crossing of the Red Sea, water coming from the rock, and several miracles that were mind-blowing. If there was anyone that was with Moses, it was the one true God. He got to see the Ten Commandments, 
being given unto Moses. There, there was amazing things, and so God's saying, guess what? In the same way, I'm with you. I sometimes think in the midst of our own tragedies and difficulties, we forget the wonderful resume of God. I mean, the Lord has sea crossings, he has lion's mouth close, closings, uh, he has storm stillings uh, on his resume, and, and he is the same God today for us. You know, David said in Psalm 77, I will remember the deeds of the Lord, I will proclaim your miracles of long ago. God has been faithful to us in the distant past, he's been faithful to us in our past. And God wanted to say to, to Joshua, in advance, you can trust me because I have never let you down before. And that's what David said in Psalm chapter 9. I've never forsaken those who seek me. Another reason we can trust God as C under number 2 is we can trust God because of his radical commitment to us. Note that the same verse we see in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. It's taken from right here. And the Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He gives his radical commitment. I'm always going to be there with you. We forget this so easily sometimes. I read a story about Russian dictator Joseph Stalin that was so nervous. He was, uh, of course, given to atrocities. And he feared for his safety, which was probably a right fear in light of what a murderer he was. It said that in his political mansion, he had eight different bedrooms. And he never told anyone which bedroom he was sleeping in. He wanted to sort of trip up anyone that would be coming after him in the middle of the night. Could you imagine? Eight different bedrooms. And, and, and he never had any sense that God himself was with him. We don't have to cave into our fears and allow them to consume us when we believe in God's radical commitment to us that he will never leave us or forsake us. Now, a, a third principle that the Lord gave to Joshua that helps us as we seek to beat our fear in advance is number three on your outline, and that's simply this, to live in God's strength. Now, three different times in verses six through nine, the Lord told Joshua to be strong and courageous. That's what it says in verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Once again at the beginning of verse 7, be strong and very courageous. We're admonished that life demands courage from us. And God's wanting to pour his strength and his courage into the heart of Joshua. Do you ever feel extremely cowardly? That there's no courage anywhere in you? That you know you need to take a stand for the Lord? You know you need to raise your flag for him and, and, and speak his word to those in need and be willing to live in such a way that could cause embarrassment to you but honor to him? We're people without this fortitude in our hearts very often and the way to be strong and very courageous is to stand in the strength of the Lord that's one of the great things we see over and over again in scripture in places like Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 where it says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might or Colossians chapter 1 where Paul prayed for the Colossians church that they would be strengthened 
within. God wants to give us his strength on the inside of our heart to infuse us with his strength as we depend on him. But we're often given to cowardice. In in reading about um, Stalin, I also read something about his one of his successors, uh, whom was leading Russia when I was a kid by the name of Khrushchev. And he was once giving a speech in a Russian auditorium. And in his speech, he was decrying the policies of his predecessor, Stalin. He was saying insulting things about some of the atrocities that Stalin did. And someone had the audacity to speak up in the crowd and said, you were one of his colleagues, why did you not stop him? And there was quiet that came over the audience. And Khrushchev stopped his speech and yelled out, who said that? And a chilling silence came over the room. And no one spoke up. And Khrushchev said, now you can see why I did not speak up. In other words, just as that person was afraid to speak his mind and say the truth in in front of that group, Khrushchev was the same way. He didn't have the courage to do the right thing and stop some of the atrocities that Stalin was involved with. We feel that same type of timidity when we depend on our own flesh for strength. Do you ever wonder when the strength of God's going to come? You feel so weak spiritually, so weak emotionally. One day, Corey Ten Boom, the, the great Christian saint that endured some of the tragedies in a Nazi prison camp, was talking with her father and wondering, Dad, how are we going to have the strength to keep going? What happens to me when you die? And her father was a godly man and said, Honey, do you know, do you remember when you were a little girl and I would give you a ticket to get on the train. We were going together. Do you remember when I handed you your ticket? And she said, yes. You handed it to me right before I stepped on. And he looked at her and said, God gives you his strength right when you need it and not a moment before. And and so when we learn to live in the strength of God, to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, we're depending on him to infuse us with his strength at the right moment. Now God gives an incredible admonition to Joshua as another tool, maybe the primary tool and resource in getting a step ahead of fear in verse 8 when he says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now the Hebrew people were a oral tradition people, yet Moses had been busy writing down the scriptures and so even though they were mainly oral they had some portion in some way of the word of God in the first five books of the Bible and so the Lord said to Joshua think about these truths think about these promises think about these admonitions I'm giving you and when you do when you apply them to your life then you'll have real success then you'll finally prosper spiritually in a way that can lead you through your fears i'm not saying the primary purpose of the bible and reading the bible is to help us through fear but it is certainly a result 
some of those verses on the screen a moment ago at the end of that video, when you claim those and drink of those and meditate on those, the truth of God begins to meet out the understandable fears that are in our lives. You know, there's an old story about a circuit-riding preacher that would go from church to church, and one day he took his son on a uh, to one of his congregations, and very few people came, very few people seemed interested, and when, when the preacher walked in the room, in the back there was an offering plate, and he put a coin in an offering plate, and at the end of the service, when everyone had left, the preacher went to empty the offering plate, and his son looked and saw that there was just that one coin in the offering plate that his dad had put there. And his son had an interesting observation. He said, Dad, if you'd put more in, you'd have gotten more out. <laughs> it's, not a <laughs> it's not a bad thought, is it? Uh, in, in his mind, it made perfect sense to the little boy. You want more money, Dad? You should have put more in. Uh, you know, that principle is true for us as it relates to the Word of God. If we would put more in to the Scripture, like Moses is commanding, we would certainly get more out of it. I often meet with men uh, throughout the week and ask them how they're doing spiritually and that kind of thing and uh, challenge uh, upon challenge is uh, it is the hardest thing for me uh, men will say for me to stay consistent in the word of God and my encouragement to you men and women is to not allow that to become part of your life that inconsistency to do whatever it takes to be yes we, we can be so much more creative in this day of technology to listen to the scripture in our cars and on our phones and to have verses pop up right there but we can also just carve out those moments to sit down turn off the bellowing media in our life and the noise of our life and and it says to meditate that means to think and linger deeply this takes time but it is time that is so worth it we live in a world of lies and we're starving for truth and god said meditate on these day and night ask god for a renewed hunger for his word well, after these admonitions in verse 10, so Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go to the camps and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go into the land and take possession. What does that sound like? I mean, Joshua heard all these things, and then Joshua got up and started the process of doing exactly what God said to him to do. Sometimes when we have a huge challenge staring us in the face, you know what we do? We give fear just long enough of a listen in our life and give it just enough time to adequately talk us out of obedience. All of a sudden, rather, you know, Joshua didn't give any time for that. God shored him up with strength. God told him how to overcome his fears. God said, this is how you can stay way ahead of the understandable fear that you might have. And as soon as God was done, Joshua was like, thank you, Lord. And then he turned around and started the troops getting ready to do exactly what God said. Principle number five, the way we beat fear in advance is to obey quickly. If you miss principle four, it's this learn to feed yourself truth. And five is simply obey quickly. And under number five is this, don't give fear the chance to talk you out of obedience. I read a story recently about the training of Arabian horses in the Middle Eastern desert. They said that a, a good trainer wants absolute obedience from their horse. 
And so one of the, one of the things they do toward the end of the training is to, go, is to give the horse very little water for a season. It's to get them good and thirsty. And then to blow the whistle and point them down to a river to drink from. And then right when they get to the edge of the river, dying of thirst, they blow the whistle, signifying them to stop. And they say a, a parched horse looking down at that brook or at that river, and if they stop and they wait and they don't dive in and begin drinking, then they're a train. Because they blow the whistle, call them back, then they pat them on, and then they say, all right, you may go, and then they finally let them drink. I thought, man, that's kind of cruel. But I, I thought to myself, you know what? When we trust God and we do what he says, even if it doesn't make sense to us, for us, we'd be like, Lord, I'm thirsty. I got to take a sip here. Why are you asking me to take a drink? Oftentimes, God's admonitions, God's commandments, even in his word, they don't make sense to us. And so we say, you know what? I'm going to hold off on doing what you say. Well, this morning, as we've seen from God's word, how to beat fear in advance. Don't let fear have the final word in your life to talk you out of doing what the living God said. As we've considered God's word, I'd like us to enter into a time of response and, and bow together before the Lord as we consider what he has said to us from his truth today. Living Lord, I, I fear that some in the room may be tempted to listen to their fears rather than to your truth. And I'd like to pray that you would open up eyes and hearts and doors as we come into a time of response today. May your name and renown be our heart's desire. And I pray you draw people to your truth today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.